As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burke. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heels Up Blog Podcast. Your host, yes. Anthony Pettinata, with you guys as always. And today, we are getting you ready for the Tar Heels matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks here in Charlotte, North Carolina, just down the block, actually, from where we are recording today uh, as they get ready to take them on in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It is the second now of three matchups in a five-year span in the city of Charlotte, and the Tar Heels will hope to avoid a winless season away from Chapel Hill and avoid a losing season overall in 2021. So we're going to walk you through that today. We're also going to talk just a little bit shortly out of the gate about Noah Taylor and his addition to Carolina at the edge rusher position, what that means for that Carolina edge rusher room that we talked a little bit about on our last edition of the podcast. Uh, But I want to welcome in my co-host Josh Marlowe here. Uh, Buddy, it's been a little bit. We took a little bit of a break there, uh, and we you know, got through Christmas, everything like that. So how was Christmas with the family and uh, some exciting news for your family regarding the bowl game as well? Yeah, it was Christmas. Uh, Santa has come and gone. It was a good day to be back home with the fam. Little bro got surprised with tickets to the Dukes Mayo Bowl, so he'll be he'll be his first time going to see the Tar Heels play uh, football in quite some time. So, uh, you know, glad the holiday season is coming to a close and ready to get back to the grind and, and get ready for 2022. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be talking about a little more success in 2022 for the Tar Heels than they had here in 2021. The good news is they did get a little bit of added resources uh, for next season at the edge rusher position. This was a position that we talked about on the last edition of the podcast when we did the need one, got one, uh, and we talked about edge rusher a lot. And that was a spot that we said, look, it's very clear that especially with you getting an interior offensive lineman, you've got to go out and get somebody at the edge rusher position. Carolina ends up getting the commitment from 
another guy who was on campus uh, just a couple of weekends ago attended that game uh, that Carolina had on the basketball side of things against Elon. So now two of those three guys that attended that uh, that game and at that weekend that were on campus for that uh, have landed uh, with the Tar Heels. The other guy, uh, he went to North Carolina A&T and reportedly North Carolina or, or the Tar Heels were the ones that were turned off um, with him. You know, they, they were the ones that kind of backed off of him uh, when they saw some of the things, I think, away from the field, everything like that. So he goes to North Carolina A&T. So Carolina doing some work here on the recruiting trail and getting a big piece uh, on the defensive side of the football at a spot where they really need some help. The best part is that they're doing it within the conference, and this wouldn't have happened a, a couple years ago because the ACC was the last Power Five to allow interconference transfers, and we've seen how it's panned out in other conferences. You've seen it with LSU, Alabama, those types of schools. And for Carolina, look, they've had a lot of success recruiting Uh, the state of Virginia from the high school talent, and now they're picking up with Virginia's uh, actual roster as well, getting Noah Taylor to come over and and, and join their team. And look, both additions that they've added so far through the portal, the offensive line, and they're at that edge rusher, those are the spots where this team is going to take the next step next year. They're going to compete to to make an ACC title game. We have addressed as or identified that those are the two position groups they got to address the most. Um, And luckily, Mack Brown has been uh, proactive about that. And they're, they're doing the right steps. They're getting guys that have, first off, talent, but also getting experienced talent in in the program. And that's something they're going to need, uh, assuming that you're breaking in a new quarterback and, and some other new uh, skill position players. Well, the other thing about this position is we talked about it. With you losing to Mon Fox, now Tyrone Hopper saying that he is going to move on and play his seventh year of college football somewhere else – you, one, don't have much experience at the position, and two, don't have much production, which Taylor brings you both of those to the table. Um, you know, this is a guy that played four years at Virginia, played as a true freshman as well. Uh, he played in 44 games in his career, started 31 of them. So he is very, very experienced. Um, and look, his numbers are pretty good. Uh, you go back uh, to 2019, that was probably his most productive season in terms of just a pure pass rusher. Played in 14 games. Of course, that was the year that Virginia went to the ACC championship game, so that's why he played in 14 games. 56 total tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 6 sacks. Also had two interceptions, so he can drop back into coverage too. This is a versatile guy that kind of fits what Carolina wants with their more athletic guys on the edge um, that can do some different things. It'll allow Jay Bateman uh, to... You know, be able to drop into into coverage at times. Something that I think he's wanted to do with some of the other outside linebackers. We saw it a couple of times with Chris Collins, who, no offense, has no business dropping into coverage. Noah Taylor might be a little more comfortable in that role. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, and I think that's something that. Uh, for Jay Bateman, I think he wants to be more creative. He wants to do some more things exotically. He just doesn't have the talent or the depth to be able to do that these past couple of years, and we've seen that. And we knew coming when he came over from Army that his defense was, first off, helped out by the type of offense that they played, but they really forced a lot of pressure on the opponent. They, they gave him a lot of different looks, a lot of different schemes, a lot of different blitzes on on down the line, but due to a lack of talent at certain positions and then depth he hasn't been able to give him the full force of what he wants to do defensively they're trying to get they're trying to add some of that with the recruiting class they brought in this year and then bringing in the transfer that's going to be something that you know 
it's going to be important because it's, he's going to enter a, a massive fourth year if, if he's back, yes. as, as, as is the whole entire staff. So they're addressing the needs to, to get them in a better position to be successful on the field. Look, he's coming back. Let's just let's just get ourselves to that. Point. All I wanted for Christmas was for his ass to be fired. There is no way that they are firing him after bringing in this recruiting class and after him playing the bowl game. Because one, at this point, who are you going to go get? I mean, I guess it hasn't really been confirmed that Will Muschamp is taking over as the defensive coordinator once Dan Lanning moves on. But no offense, Georgia has more important things to be worried about right now right so that that'll be a decision down the line you would expect that much champ will probably be the guy there and then outside of that i mean where are you going who are you actually going out and and stealing away that's going to make sense there so i think at this point you've just got to kind of come to the conclusion that he is going to be back next year but yeah it will be crucial and and this is a guy that i think fits his system a little bit better and look taylor's coming off his most productive year of his career this year 69 total tackles Eight tackles for loss, three sacks, four pass deflections. He didn't have an interception. This was the first uh, year that he was uh, a full-time starter that he didn't have an interception. But still, drop back into coverage, and you saw he had some production there. Um, in, total in his career, 169 total tackles, 28 and a half tackles for loss, and 12 and a half sacks. So there's production here. I think. Look, you're w- what you're hoping with this is that this is a guy that can come in, be a steadying force. Look, if he can get back to that guy that you saw in 2019 with 12 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks, great. That'd be that'd be more than welcome. But even if he's this guy that you saw a lot this past year in 12 games, all of which he started where he had eight tackles for loss and three sacks, you can live with that. The thing that still has to happen in this group is amongst that group of guys that you have, and you, and I think you're primarily looking at one of two guys to step up and become that guy out there. One is either Des Evans lives up to what you saw from him coming out of high school and starts to break out, which is possible, but you need to see more than you've seen so far this season, and definitely from him as a true freshman He's starting to show some signs, but you need him to become a guy that can consistently, first of all, start and then consistently get pressure on the quarterback. Or you need to find other guys on the interior of that defensive line, and you need Cayman Rocker to start standing up and rushing the passer off the edge. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's those are the two options that you're kind of looking at at this point. I mean, if you had to say, I to me, it's clear which one of those do you think is more likely out of those two scenarios, Evans. Really? Yes. See, I think Cayman Rucker's probably your better bet. Evans, is, he's more talented. I agree he's with that. He's more gifted. He, there, there's more There's more to gain with him on the field than Cayman Rucker. Now, Cayman Rucker's a really nice player. And early in the season, we were waving our pom-poms and singing his praises on a bad defense. But they recruited Des Evans for a reason. They built mm-hmm. to, to build the defense around what he can do. If he takes the next step and he becomes that type of player – then this defense can be average to good. And that's all it needs to be with what this offense has done under Phil Longo. If it doesn't happen, though, Cameron Rucker's still going to be a really nice player on a really bad defense. Yeah, it's just hard for me to be confident right now in, in, in Evans. I mean, it's we, we've seen the first two years. I mean, he's been kind of non-existent. Now, I guess you could say, look, he had to put on 30 pounds this past offseason. Mm-hmm. So having to learn to play at that weight is is something that, 
maybe he's going through. I think it's Rucker. Honestly, I think the first two years from him, I mean, this year you you saw the production kind of ebb and flow, but look, what member of the defensive front did you not see that with for Carolina? Every one of the guys out there had up and down seasons. Even Miles Murphy, who ended up on second team all ACC, the man did not have a sack or tackle for loss in his last five games of the season. Now, he'll get a chance to finish it off here in Charlotte and maybe end that streak there. But still, I mean, we're we're asking for consistency from everybody, not just from Cayman Rucker. I think you look at the other options inside of the interior of the defensive line as well. We've talked about Javari Ritzy. Um, he's going to get a chance to start showing that in the bowl game. You still got Keyshawn Silver, who was a five-star from this past class. Uh, and you're, you're more than likely going to have Travis Shaw playing a role, which could allow Miles Murphy uh, to sort of move out full-time to that 4 eye technique and play out there most of the time because we think more than likely they're going to probably need him at nose tackle at some point this upcoming season with Ray Velasic moving on. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like Rucker probably brings, that, uh, br- brings the best chance there of, of it actually happening. In terms of what I'd like to see, I'm with you. Because there's more pure talent for Evans. There's more upside, but we got to start seeing that before we can. I really feel confident about it. Well, let's move in and talk about the bowl game a little bit more. And look, this is not going to be like the bowl game of last year where you get basically a full look at everything that you have next season. Uh, Sam Howell's going to play in this game. That was something that some of us probably didn't expect at first. Uh, Jeremiah Gimmel's going to play in this game. That one's not really all that shocking, but that's still a, a guy that you know is going to be gone at the end of the year that's playing in this game. And you got a lot of other guys that are going to be playing as well. Carolina does not have an opt-out outside of Kyler McMichael, who is declaring for the NFL draft as I guess at the end of the season or maybe I guess he's officially declared for the NFL draft already so that's the only opt-out that Carolina has for this game now of course you got to address the elephant in the room and we'll just do it right here uh I mean look there's a chance this game doesn't even get played it, it's that simple um you know you hate to say it and you're hoping that's not what's going to end up happening but as of the day we're recording, This game is being played, but many others, including three teams in the ACC yesterday on the day we're recording this, were out of their bowl games. Yep. So it is a possibility that even if the game doesn't get canceled, there is a chance that Carolina could be missing guys heading into this game. So, look, they're going to be fully stocked in terms of guys not opting out, but there's a chance that, one, the game might not even be played, and if they are, they could be shorthanded because of COVID as well. Yeah, and look, uh, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. The game shouldn't be played. Um, I think you look around the country, you look at the landscape of what we're still dealing with with COVID, with this new strand. You look at what it's done to professional sports. Literally every league is coping with COVID. The NHL paused their season for roughly two weeks. The NBA should have paused their season. They're powering through. The NFL, because of how late it is up against their, their regular season, they have no choice but to push through. Then you look at what's happening in college basketball. Carolina's basketball game just got postponed, Three other, among with two other ACC games. And, and virtually every Power 5 conference on the hard court is dealing with COVID. Um, and those are conference games. This is a meaningless bowl game um, that, that doesn't – that doesn't mean anything. And so I don't think it's worth the risk 
and playing the game, but you know, money dictates certain things, and as long as they're healthy enough to play, they're going to play. And, and, you know, for my little brother who's going to be in attendance, I don't want the game to be canceled because I want him to have that experience. But the bigger issue is that we entered bowl season without any backup plans for this to happen. And we, we've seen, what, now five bowl games be affected by an ongoing pandemic that right. we had no backup plan for. Well, and you shouldn't have at the time. I mean, no offense. Like, nobody, oh, yeah, you nobody thought this wave was, was coming. Nobody thought that this was going to be a possibility. And, and the backup plan, no offense, would be what you just explained right there is to cancel all of the bowl games. They did it last year. Yep. Um, and, again, this once again goes back into the bigger conversation of should they have this many bowl games no. in the postseason. And that's that's something that's going to be debated for a while. Ultimately, what you said, though, is what it comes down to, and that's money. Mm-hmm. For me, I, look, if, if both teams are, are healthy or are healthy enough to play, then yeah, let them go out there. I mean, you know, for Carolina, there are benefits, especially you know for some of the younger guys. Yeah, you're going to get a, a, another game to be able to go out there and and show what you got for next year. It's a chance to to face a different opponent because you're not going to be able to do that in fall practices and everything like that. Um, in terms of, I mean, look, there are a couple of days out now, so in terms of getting the extra pra- practices, Carolina's gotten that. They've yeah. gotten some of their early enrollees on campus, and granted, those guys are just in shorts most of the time. They're probably just watching, but that's big as well. So Carolina's got that benefit going for them. For me, I mean, look, if you're healthy enough. I don't. I think it makes sense to play the game because I mean, look, you you got picked for that bowl game, whatever. Might as well go and 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 play in it. And you know, of course, as somebody that has followed this team and is a fan of this team, yeah, I want to see this bowl game. I, I want to see this team one last time this season. Mainly, I just want to see Sam Howe one last time in his career because I've said it a couple of times here since that game that ended the regular season. I don't want that to be the last time that we see Sam Howell because he wasn't the reason they lost that game. And he deserves to go out on a better note than losing to NC State the way they did. So, yeah, personally, I hope they play the game, but it's it's a cautious optimism for sure. Um, and, and look, as of right now, it looks like everybody's doing well. The good news is, look, both teams have already traveled. That was one of the big things that got in the way of some of these other teams. Virginia never even left home. They didn't even get to travel. Their issues were before they they traveled. UCLA was having some issues. I think they're going to be able to play their bowl game against NC State, but they were having issues while they were still on campus. So for Carolina to already be in Charlotte, for South Carolina to already be in Charlotte, I feel like that's a pretty good step for them because, look, you're already kind of in your bubble. You're doing your thing. And then you'll go and play the bowl game. And after that, I mean, look, I'm not going to say you don't have to worry about it because as we know with football, 365 days a year, you're pretty much back in the weight room within a month, not even. So, of course, you're going to want to try to keep some things contained. But as long as you get through this stretch here, you probably feel pretty confident. And as I said, the Tar Heels are here. I actually passed the, the brigade the other day. They were heading to Providence Day School. That's where they're practicing, South Carolina practicing at Charlotte Christian, um, some of the local high schools around here. So both teams, as far as I know, it looks like they've gone through the testing and everything, and they look ready to go, even even after going home for the holidays, if they did. I don't know if they did because of how close these games were. So one way or another, we'll see. Uh, This will be the 59th meeting between these two teams 
Carolina owns the 35-19-4 series edge going into this game. I found that interesting because you would think that South Carolina would definitely be a lot closer to the Tar Heels in terms of that all-time series. Um, Tar Heels, of course, won their last meeting back in 2019 on August 31st of 2019, to be exact. Uh, 24-20 win in Charlotte to open up the Mac Brown 2.0 era, and this will be the first meeting between these two teams in a bowl game. Look at South Carolina. This is uh, this is a confusing team. If you looked at this team on paper, you would say, how did this team make a bowl game? They are averaging 21.3 points per game, 321.6 total yards of offense per game, just 196.8 passing yards per game, and the one that just blows me away, 124.8 rushing yards per game on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, not bad, 24.2 points per game. They're allowing just 355.7 total yards per game, 176.5 passing yards per game, and 179.2 rushing yards per game. So if you look at this game on paper, you would think, okay, this stacks up pretty well for Carolina. It also helps that South Carolina is going to be without some pretty key players in this one. Um you, you've got, of course, Jason Jason Brown, who was a transfer quarterback from St. Francis, came in, played a little bit at the end of the year. Their quarterback situation is kind of just a mess. It, it's it's all over the place. They've been back and forth between Luke Doty, Jason Brown, Zeb Nolan. They've been all over the place. It looks like Zeb Nolan is going to be their guy in this bowl game now because Doty's out for the season and Jason Brown is in the transfer portal. Uh, Zaquandre White is their leading rusher. He, I believe, is not going to play in this game. I don't know if it's been confirmed about his status yet. I know he was looking at potentially going to the NFL. But they do lose one of their best players on the defensive side of the ball, Kingsley uh, Ingabarie. He is, in fact, going to the NFL. He will not play in this bowl game. He is seen as a guy that's either going to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft as an edge rusher. So an extremely talented guy that's off the board there. So... So Carolina's catching some breaks here, and this honestly looks like a really winnable game for the Tar Heels. I think the biggest thing when you talk about this game that's going to factor in is do the Gamecocks just want this more than than the Tar Heels do? I don't think they should because if you're the Tar Heels, you haven't won away from Chapel Hill this season, and you were a team that was inside of the preseason top 10 and could be staring down a losing season. There's a lot on the line for you to play for here. Yeah, but I do think South Carolina will enter the game more hungry, more motivated, because this team entered the season with projections of winning three, maybe four games. And they go 6-6. Six and six. They finish fourth in the SEC East, which wasn't bad considering – what they were projected to do entering the year. And they got they got something that Carolina doesn't have. They got legitimate wins over opponents. Um, you know, they, they beat Florida by 23 at home. They trounced Florida. And I know what Florida ended up becoming, but at the time, that was still a really good win. They beat Auburn at home. That was a really good win, you know, with all things considered. They won at East Carolina. 
a game that was on the road, that was a you know hostile environment for a first-time head coach in Shane Beamer. You know they played Kentucky tough. You know they they played meaningful football down the stretch. Something Carolina did not really do because they 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 lost themselves out of competition. And while this is a winnable game, that was a lot of the games for South Carolina's opponents where they looked at South Carolina and, and circled a win. Shane Beamer juggling different quarterbacks, juggling his best running back, not being healthy and having the best year that he who was supposed to have entering the season than Kevin Harris. They found ways to win games, and they competed their tails off. They fought hard, and also they're, they've got SEC talent. They've got SEC depth, and with what they've added in the transfer portal already, bringing in Spencer Radler and Austin Stogner from Oklahoma, if South Carolina wins this game, they finish the season with a, running, with a winning record, they're going to be a trendy pick to be a surprise team entering next season because their program right now is trending in an upward trajectory on the field while Carolina is, is trending in an upward trajectory off the field they're recruiting. So it's going to be an interesting matchup um, and, and it'll be a lot of fun if this game gets to be played because you got a passionate fan base in South Carolina. They travel very well. We saw that up close and personal in 2019. Almost too personal for me, by the way. And then you got Carolina, more of a passive fan base, but there's still a lot of Tar Heel fans that are excited to, to, to be in Bank of America Stadium Thursday morning. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, look, you, you're you're right. They do have some good wins on the resume. Now, the thing is, is again, that Florida team definitely crashed and burned at the end of the season. The Auburn team that they faced was good, but remember, no Bo Nix, so they had to start T.J. Finley in that game, who also was limping around the entire second half. He was banged up. So, I mean, look, those are good wins, though. They, do not get me wrong. Shane Beamer has done a tremendous job. There's a reason why when they were bringing up candidates for the Oklahoma job, and Brent Venables looked like he was probably out at one point. Most people thought he would stay with Clemson. There's a reason why I said Shane Beamer's got to be in talk. He's got to be one of the names brought up here, considering that he was tied to that 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 staff and everything like that. But I, I the thing that I think works in Carolina's favor here is is this team even when they were when when they had everybody at their expense, they were not a good offensive team. Now, I mean, you lose. We're not a good defensive team. You lose White in that backfield. I think Carolina's got a chance, but but that's the thing. You're you're facing an offense that can probably help you out. I mean, are you afraid of Zeb Nolan back there throwing the football? I'm not. I I don't. He hasn't been awful. The one thing that he's done that could allow them to have success in this game, South Carolina, is he doesn't turn the football over. He has six touchdowns to just one interception. The problem is is that he has started six games and he has thrown for 597 yards. That's it. So you're talking about a guy that is throwing for less than 100 yards per start. That's not going to win you much in modern-day college football, even against this Tar Heel defense. That, that isn't that great. They, they, can't run, they, they haven't run the ball that successfully as well. And as you mentioned, Kevin Harris was banged up early in the season. But even since he's come back, he's been rather quiet. Marshawn Lloyd's been rather quiet. He was a former five-star that just hasn't really panned out so far this year. I mean, those guys are averaging 3.9 and 3.6 yards per carry. And the other thing that's interesting about their backfield, we heard a lot about them, and justifiably so, coming into the season. They have seven rushing touchdowns the entire season. 
That's it. So this is not a dynamic run game at all. It's not a dynamic passing game. So really, here's what I'm saying. This means that Carolina's offense is going to be the most important unit in this game. Now, here's the thing. What Carolina offense shows up? Is it the one that we've seen at times in Chapel Hill that has looked electric? Is it, you know, the ones that we even saw, you know, in some of the games against Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, where they showed up eventually? Or are we going to have games like, uh, a game like Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech to a certain extent, where this offense just isn't going to be able to get going? They have got to get off to a good start out of the gate. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, and look, that that's going to be the key for Carolina probably for as long as Jay Bateman is, is, is your defensive coordinator. But I, I don't think this is a game where they got to score 35. They, now, now, they shouldn't. Now if that, you allow 35 to this South Carolina offense, they're, I'm going to tell you, then you might need to look at Jay Bateman and say, hmm, maybe we do have to look at some of the other options out there at D.C. So, I mean, I think it's just going to be – Interesting to see. Does Carolina is is the game plan to make Sam Howell look the best he can? If this is his last time in a Tar Heel uniform. Are you are you game planning for him to impress NFL scouts and have a record setting day, or is this game planning for you to win the football game, which is trying to establish the run and then throw the football off of that? So I think so. This is this is basically what you're saying. Is this game plan? the one that we saw against Virginia Tech back in 2019 where the ga- the goal for him was literally sit there and air it out as many times as you possibly can to basically try to put together a pro day highlight tape or is this a game that you're going to try to run the football first of all they need to do that because you need to find answers in your backfield as of right, who is a known quantity in your backfield right now with Ty Chandler graduating at the end of the season? There isn't one. There isn't any. So you've got to find somebody else has to be able to step up. This is the game to find out who that is. And I don't think you can go away from the quarterback run either. I understand you don't want to get Sam Howell banged up, but look at how much you ran him against NC State. I think that's an element of his game that if you're still trying to impress NFL scouts – that needs to be there because outside of Malik Willis, he probably has the best running ability of any of those top-end quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's definitely attracted the NFL people. That's that's Even though Carolina has another type of season that we thought they were going to have, and he hasn't had the season we thought he was going to have, his ability to add the running uh, aspect to his football game is what is going to allow him, if he goes pro, to be drafted in that first round. Because had he not added that to his game, he probably wouldn't be a first-round NFL quarterback. And so I think it's going to be the thing. Carolina's got – like the benefit for Carolina playing this game is that you can find out a lot of answers to a lot of questions next year if you go about it the right way. If, if you approach practice by letting all the guys that you know are going to be here next year take the majority of the reps while you just let the Sam Howells, the Ty Chandlers, and those guys walk through and just kind of, you know, not keep keep the rust off. So, you know, it, it's going to come down to what do they prioritize? Is this a make Sam Howell look great, try to get as many more records in reach as he can, or are you building towards next year, rotating those guys in and out, and, and, and knowing that it might justify your chances of winning the ballgame? 
Yeah, I, I I think I mean just just from looking at some of the photos and stuff of practice. I mean, I saw one the other day. Sam Howell wasn't even dressed out. So it looks like they're kind of prioritizing getting the young guys practice reps and everything like that. I mean, look, he's here in Charlotte. Now they showed he was in pads the other day. and So he now he's going through the game plan, getting everything ready to go as if he's playing in the game. But yes, I think they've definitely taken this as a chance to probably try to look at that running back position, to maybe try to find some answers at the edge rusher position like we were talking about earlier. Maybe to try to get a look at some of the other safeties on this roster and ask themselves, do we need to go into the transfer portal there? Or wide receiver, same thing. Those are the, I mean, that that's the area that you're, of course, going to be keeping an eye on um, for sure is, is is some of those positions that we just talked about right there. Wide receiver, um, for sure you want to see some guys step up there, definitely from that young group, that the true freshman group that we've talked so much about, uh, them getting more run towards the end of the season. Let's see if somebody steps up out of that group. Can it be J.J. Jones or Kobe Paysauer? Um, you know, m- may- maybe you end up finding some answers there. I think you'll be able to do that in this bowl game. But I think ultimately the key to you winning this game is you need Sam Howell to come out there and look damn good to close out his career. And we all want to see that too. That's the thing that I think we're tuning in because you know we're Toriel fans and, and, and we're people that cover watch and cover the team. Here's the thing. I want to see a win and I want to see Sam Howell go out there and play his tail off and have a great showing to basically have his career come full circle. Because from my perspective, I'm not counting on him coming back. No. So <laughs> that's how I'm looking at it. Um, let's take a look at the keys to the game. You know, I think, first of all, my my key to the game here is you need to get Sam Howell some help. Down the stretch of the season, There, you, I mean, this year you could legitimately look at the game against Virginia Tech and the game against Georgia Tech, and you could say Sam Howell was a big part of why Carolina lost that game. Outside of that, it feels like for the most part, he's done just about everything that he can for this team. Him, Josh Downs on the offensive side of the football. You need to be able to help this guy out because the last time that you were on the field, you had a win in your hands and you let it go. Now you need to send him out the right way and send off a guy that's your your best quarterback in program history but didn't accomplish as much as he should have been able to, mainly because of the guys that are in that locker room with him. Yeah, and I think it'll be something that it, it would be bittersweet if, if, if that's his final game to see other guys step up, but it's that's what it's going to take. You, you're going to need another player or two step up and make some plays because South Carolina's been, pre- been preparing a month to take away Josh Downs, and it's, it's not like your offensive line's gotten any better, so they're going to be able to, um, you know, pro, you know, get pressure on the quarterback, and they have the ability to make it a long day for Sam Howell if you don't, if you don't help him out. I think you know, like you can, you you can get down to, you know, not not committing turnovers, uh, penalties, all that stuff that's killed this team. From from the start of the season. By the way, you're running through some of the keys to the game. Right. Great job. Because the biggest key to the game is what is Carolina's – what is their investment level? They've got to match – South Carolina's going to be emotionally invested in winning this football game because they weren't expected to be in a bowl game but when the season started. 
in October. They didn't think they were going to make a bowl game. Well, here they are. So they're going to be emotionally invested. And we've seen Carolina at times this year, they haven't matched that intensity when it's been away from Keenan Stadium. Well, lo and behold, you're still in the Tar Heel State, but you're not in your in your backyard. So that's going to be the biggest thing. If Carolina shows up emotionally invested in playing the game, if it's playing for Sam Howell, they've got a really good chance. Yep. If they come out flat, they're going to get their ass kicked. And, and I'm not saying that lightly. South Carolina will line up and for 60 minutes run the ball at them and kick their ass. That's not going to happen. That's, South Carolina's not a good enough team. They're a better the team than we are. Uh, no. No. Not a, not not right now. Yes. They're a good they they are they've, trending in the right direction. They've got better wins than we have. How how are they not a better team than we are? I mean, I just told you why those wins were good but not great. They're still better than wins than we have though. <sighs> I mean, Miami is probably a better win than Florida at this point. Florida's not a good football team. That team just got ran over. Now, granted, they only lost by nine, but they were dominated by Central Florida. Easy. Um, Florida's better than Miami. No. Yes. You, the man that thinks that Miami is back. Because of who they hired as their head coach. It doesn't matter. Look at the finish to their season. Look at Tyler Van Dyke, who, by the way, is probably going to be the guy that most people are going to look at as first-team All-ACC quarterback next year. They had a they, they finished the season very well after Carolina beat them. Now, granted, at the time, that team wasn't playing great. But, I look, Florida, for, you take that for what it is. At the time, looked like a solid win. Now, I don't really know how great that win is. Auburn, no, Auburn, that's a legitimate win. Now, now Bo Nix being out in that game probably hurts that win a little bit. But I don't think that these two teams are really that much different. The thing for me with South Carolina is their offense is just not good at all, even in those wins. Okay, our they defense isn't good, good at all, but their coach was able to find ways around Our, our that. defense is at least average. This offense is That's down a, near the bottom. So is our defense. No, it's not. It's in the 80s. When I'm saying near the bottom, this group is legitimately, those rankings that I read off to you, those are legitimately outside of the top 100 in every one of those categories. They are awful. And they still won S- and they still won SEC games. We wouldn't win games in the SEC with our defense. We would win 6 games in the SEC based on our offense. Our offense would be able to win 6 games in the SEC. I, I, in I, the SEC East? I disagree with that. Yes. This is not a better football team than Carolina. This is one where Carolina comes in favored. They should be favored and they should win this game. And and honestly, it shouldn't even really be that difficult for them. If if you want to get to where you want to eventually get to, if you want to even win the ACC Coastal, this is a game that you should win. I mean, come on, this is uh, South Carolina is trending in the right direction, but you're talking about a South Carolina team that will be that that struggled offensively so far this year, and is going to be without their. Best running back, and they're going to be without their quarterback, who at the end of the year sort of stabilized the position. Now you're going back to your grad assistant quarterback, who is not even throwing for a hundred yards a game. So, I mean, I don't know. On paper, this is a game that Carolina should win. 
But yeah, you're right. It's about the motivation factor. Because yeah, it doesn't matter if you should win the game. You should have beat Florida State. And you didn't. Because Florida State wanted that game more than you did. That's the game where if you look back on the season and you ask yourself, why did Florida State not fire Mike Norvell? That's the game you point to right there. That's the only reason they did not fire him. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be ready to go in this game or else, yeah, you will get blasted off the – they will come out. They've got to tell you what, the one area that you should be concerned about if you're a Tar Heel fan is that defensive line going against your offensive line. And you're right. Just because you had all this time off, that doesn't make your offensive line any better. Now, here's the here's the angle that you're hoping most of your offensive linemen are taking. One, the three guys that are leaving, Jordan Tucker, who's confirmed, and it looks like Marcus McKeithen and Joshua Zudu, just from some of the photos from practice where you've seen most of the backup guys in with the first-teamers, looks like they're strongly considering leaving as well. You better hope these guys are ready to come out and put their best game on tape yeah, to close out their season. And you better hope that Brian Anderson, Kieran Johnson, whoever's starting at center, has been able to get healthy and is ready to go in the middle of that offense for you. Because if not, this defensive line will be getting after Sam Howell. That's the only area that really scares me about this. And, and they do have a guy on the back end of their defense – in Jalen Foster, who can serve. He has five interceptions on the season. He's having a heck of a year. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, I'm not really th- – this is not a team that you should look at and say, man, this is a tough draw for Carolina. That's one where you should look at and say, we should be able to win this game. The second key to the game, you mentioned it. It's penalties. This team has been killed by penalties down the stretch of the season. Now, it didn't really kill him against NC State, but you shot yourself in the foot multiple times. Before that, you were in position to win that game. You look at the games before that against FCS opponents. Carolina had five straight games with 10 or more penalties and 100 or more penalty yards. You got to avoid that in this game. You've got to be a disciplined team to limit the opportunities. Because if you're giving this team first downs, then yeah, they're going to be able to move the ball down the field on you. That's But but Carolina's got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, and hopefully the last month or so of practices, that was a point of emphasis. Because I told you during the season, it wasn't going to get fixed during the season. That was... That, that's the type of thing that once it's a habit, you don't break it during the year most of the time. But you've had a month off. You're laying the foundation right now for your offseason, for winter, for your winter conditioning, for spring ball. And hopefully that was a point of emphasis for Mac Brown and the staff to say, look, guys, we're not good enough to not beat ourselves in the field. Here's the thing. It's the bowl game. Guess what? You take a penalty, you're out. Well, Put somebody else in. Let's see what we got. Because if you lose... You're not losing anything. See, that, that's not going to happen because they did, they did that when they were playing meaningful games. They just let bad players com- keep on committing bad penalties and there was no repercussion for it. Hopefully, though, now that you've had a chance to reflect and look at where we could have been d- done better as a staff, they got to hold players accountable. 
Well, that starts with the head coaching staff. So you got to hold them accountable in practice and then in the game. And, and look, that's going to be a thing that the thing about South Carolina is Shane Beamer in his first year, he seems to have his players accountable. They don't shoot themselves in the foot to the level that Carolina does. And if Carolina doesn't put themselves in, 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 you know, in bad situations and third and longs or red zone penalties or whatever it is, the chances are they're going to win these, they're going to win this game. But you look back at the loss to Florida State. Penalties played a really big part in that game because they were situational penalties. Look back at what happened against Pittsburgh. You had the ball at the one at the two yard line, first and goal, and you couldn't get a touchdown because of penalties. There was time and times again where you could point back to mental errors cost this team football games. You got a chance to right that ship and get ready for 2022 in this game in your own backyard. So, you know, that's it, as I said a couple minutes ago, that's going to be as a big a key to game as anything else that happens on the field and off the field in terms of scheming and stuff like that. Yeah, the other one that I had on there was get off to that fast start. You need it. And and it's 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 mainly offensively. Your defense has had moments early on in games where they've looked pretty good. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, they they look good. They kept you in the games. This cannot be one of those games where you start slow offensively. And here's the thing. If you start slow offensively, you almost got to ask yourself, well, what's the point of even having Sam Howell out here? If we're not moving the football and he's standing back there just getting hit, then we might as well take him out and just let him move on. He'll probably go to the NFL. Yeah. And we have to start figuring out what our future is. You've got to be able and this so one of the biggest things for them early on in games has been slowing down opposing pass rush. Mhm. You let up 5 sacks in the first half of the game against Pittsburgh on the road. You don't let up that many sacks, you probably win that game cuz you would have had a better chance to move the football in that first half. This is a game where, like I mentioned, that's the one area for South Carolina that really concerns me is their defensive front. Now, again, you, you, Ingabarie not being there is huge. That that helps you. But there are still plenty of other guys that are more than capable. This is the one area where even under Muschamp, they recruited extremely well was on the defensive line. Yep. So the offensive line, you, you've you got to be able to show some resistance and let this offense get off to a fast start. Because if they do, and if you can put up, I, I think if, if you get to 30 points in this game, I think you win this game. I don't think South Carolina has the offensive firepower to match you. That's got to be the goal, and it starts with, with coming out of the gate quickly. Yeah, 30 is the magic number. Look, if Carolina gets up two possessions early, you can manage the game from there on out because South Carolina isn't built to play from behind, let alone two possessions right. from behind. And that's something that Carolina hasn't been able to do a whole lot this year. We haven't got to see this offense play with the lead. We saw that last year, and that's a big reason why that team won eight games and, and, and represented the ACC in the Orange Bowl because they were able to just dictate the way the game was played in terms of the pace and stuff like that. And, and you know, look, if you do that, if you get up to a big lead and you control the game – well, then that makes it easier to put guys in it and see what they got in terms of the guys for the future. And look, as much as we want to see Sam Howell come in here and ball out, we all want that to happen. I wouldn't mind a situation where in that second half we're seeing Drake May and, and, and Jacoby Criswell getting live snaps against a Power 5 opponent. Oh, definitely. Because we haven't, we haven't seen that yet uh, outside of 
you know, just some random snaps here and there. So yeah, that's all right. We'll get we'll get Sam as three hundred in the first half. That's that's what we're looking. For. You know, so that's going to be the thing is get off to a fast start and then be able to make South Carolina play the way you want to play. You've played twelve games for the majority of this year the way the opponent wanted to play the game. Well, you're not good enough to win like that. That's why you won six games. If you can make South Carolina play the way you want to play, you you can and you should win the football game and do it relatively easily. Well, if you're going with that though. That probably means that you're wanting to mask the game plans that you had against Virginia and Wake Forest, which is run the football and run it a lot. Yep. And I think, that's, offense. I think that's kind of where you're at. Um, look, Ty Chandler is going to play in this game. And as I mentioned, you want to find some answers at running back. There are guys that are capable of getting the job done. It's just that they've been banged up. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a ton of opportunities. You, th- this is your chance to start to answer that question and also do what's been the strength of you because we can both agree, right? Those are the two best offensive performances of the season. Yes. And now again, w- w- what does that point to again? You can, you can have a good day with your backs, need your offensive line to play well. So it all starts up front for Carolina and, I mean, that's that's the unit that I think we're going to be watching most out of the gate is we have in every single game this year. Is that unit ready to go? If they're not, Carolina could be in for a rock fight. Yep. Or they could be they could be behind most of the day, which is not an area that they want to be in. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens on that front for Carolina. Let's do the official predictions for this game. Um, you know, I, I think this is a game, like I said, I think Carolina is the better team coming in. I think that you know South Carolina's had a heck of a season, and they're going to be motivated for sure. If there's a guy that can get you motivated, it is Shane Beamer. This will be you know early on. I think there will be a little bit of back and forth here for sure, but I think Carolina is the more talented team here. I think that you should be able your your offensive line needs to step up in this game. They've shown that they can do it before. You've got to be able to do it in this game and allow this team to be able to run the football first, work your passing game off of that, and have success. And this is a game where, look, I'm not saying the defense should come out here and hold this team to single digit or 10 points, something like that. That's I don't think that's going to happen. This should be a game where you should not have to worry about this defense getting gashed. This team... One of the things that you've struggled with down the stretch of the season, especially in the second half, is stopping the run. This team does not have a mobile quarterback, and they are not going to have the, so far this season, their running backs have not been dynamic. They are averaging 124.8 yards rushing on the ground. You should be able to hold your own against this offense. If you can't, there are much bigger issues and ones that may need to be addressed with a coach firing after the bowl game. So, I think Carolina wins. I think South Carolina does put up a few points on them, but I like Carolina 31-21. Yeah, if if Sam Howell didn't wasn't playing, I think South Carolina wins this game. I think that's the X factor. I think I think Carolina has the the advantage at quarterback, and usually that lends well to you being able to beat a team that does have the deficiency now? I, now I think South Carolina's a lot better than what you think they are, and what probably many Tar Heel fans think they are. 
but that's just more of where I am and and and, and how how much more closely you know I am involved with what they do. I think Sam Howe will be the difference maker. He's going to want to leave on a high note because he didn't get that against NC State. Because I think we all believe that if Carolina would have beaten NC State, he wouldn't be playing in this bowl game. The way that game ended, I mean, maybe because it's in Charlotte. That we we all know Charlotte's the big factor here. If this game was, if this was any other bowl game, he would not be playing. Had had, had, had he beat State, I think he would have hung it up. But the way, especially that, the way that game ended, up nine, two minutes to go, they lost. He doesn't want to go out that way. And with the game coming full circle back in Charlotte against the same team he started his first game against, it's a storybook ending. I think Carolina wins in a close one, 24-20. Oh, wow. All right, going with the same score from back in 2019. Yep. I like that. I like that. Uh, that would be a great way for him to close out his career. That would make a better movie than Kurt Warner's movie. Hopefully they get a better actor to play Sam Howe. You know, one that actually kind of looks like him. And just and just more money. Like, the budget for that film might came from, like, the Dollar Tree or something Dude, like that. Dude, the budget for that film is cheaper than the budget for this podcast. Yeah, that's pretty... I, I mean... That's pretty cheap, that, I've been working for free for four years. That is... Yeah, that movie's horrendous. By the way, I that not not one, but hopefully, yeah, maybe we will get that Sam Howe story. If, that if, would be if a someone story saw that movie, by Goma to them. <laughs> I think it actually did rather well. By Goma, yeah, yeah. so by Goma, go see Spider Man. Well, we'll see. We'll see if Sam Howe gets that storybook ending. Uh, and uh, whether or not he is able to carry that over into the NFL draft, if that's where he goes, or if he ends up uh, potentially coming back. It's been rather silent on that front. Uh, there hasn't been really anything new. I think he's just kind of focused on playing in the bowl game, probably getting through everything that's going on right now with COVID, and then uh, he is going to move on. You wonder if that's going to be a factor as well, though, with because we've talked about him being a guy that could shine in terms of the pre-draft process, the combine, pro day, all that stuff. If you don't have the combine again this year, pro day's virtual again, kind of wonder if that could factor in for him because he could probably still be in the second round. Either way, we're going to we're going to take you up until he ends up uh you know potentially entering the draft or coming back. We'll have that decision for you. And then with all the guys that are heading to the NFL draft, um you know they're lot basically just guys that are seniors, everybody else pretty much coming back. Storm Duck uh, was one of the other ones that people were a little concerned about. He has said he will be back for next season. Uh, he confirmed that a couple of weeks ago. So uh, we've got you covered on all that stuff over on the Heel Tough blog website. In terms of draft stuff, there will also be plenty of stuff on the podcast side of things. We're going to have uh, you know our, our, some some draft analysts, all that great stuff on there to preview uh, the upcoming draft and uh, all that great stuff from a Tar Heel perspective. And um, one of the other things we're going to be doing here as we go throughout the next couple of months on the website is we are going to be looking at the future Tar Heels that are coming in. The guys in that 2022 class, we're going to be running through, uh, posting articles, uh, the scouting reports, where we go in-depth. We're going to focus on one game from each guy. Uh, so far, already up there, we've got Connor Harrell. I know uh, Malachi Hamrick is up there as well, so you guys can go and check those out. We've also got uh, plenty of other great ones. Zach Rice about to go up. Uh, there's so many other 
other great uh, ones that you guys can check out over there on the Heel Tough blog website. So we'll have you covered on that. You can, of course, go back and check out the class that came in in the early signing period. We still got that breakdown up there. That's in-depth. We go and look back at the highlight tapes, everything like that, to give you a look at exactly what some of these guys are going to bring. So make sure you check all that great coverage out. Uh, And then the basketball side of things, we've got a bunch of great basketball coverage on the website for you guys as Carolina rolls throughout uh, this basketball season. Their most recent game, as Josh told you, was canceled against uh, Virginia Tech. As of right now, it looks like it is going to be postponed, so that will be played sometime later on in the conference season, but this is something that it looks like we're going to be dealing with here throughout at least the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it doesn't extend into February and March, but we'll have to just wait and see. Josh will have you covered with all that stuff off the court when it comes to the games, and then on the court, of course, when Carolina is there. He'll have those previews, those recaps for you as well. We'll, of course, do the same thing for you with the bowl game. We'll have that preview up there on the website, recap and stock report to close out the season before doing final grades and heading into the offseason. When it comes to the podcast, you can check them out anywhere that you check out podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all those great websites. You can check it out. Both the Heel Tough Blog Podcast and Four Corners Podcast are there. When you go to those sites, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you want to, you can listen to them on the website. We've got tabs at the top of the page for each one of those. The only thing is, is that unfortunately, you cannot subscribe there. In order to subscribe and get those new additions right into your podcast library, it's got to be on one of those other sites, but we'd greatly appreciate it. Either way that you want to listen to the podcast, you can also listen to it uh, on Facebook. That's the place where you can check it out. Unfortunately, we were wanting to do this one on camera. But because of COVID restrictions uh, at our old studio, we weren't able to get in there to, infor- to to do it on camera. So had to be, uh, you know, audio only. That's something that probably will be here to stay for a little bit. Hopefully we can find a way to try to get a webcam in here uh, and maybe be able to give you some sort of visual, but uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that. For now, it will be the Waveform Editions on the Facebook page. That'll be up there with those audio editions and all those articles all in one place, the Facebook page. Make sure you like that page. Um, I know a lot of people check out our stuff through the group, so make sure you are liking that Facebook page so that you don't even have to worry about finding it in the groups. It'll be right on your page for you, uh, your homepage for you. So when you scroll, you can look and find all that great stuff as well. Uh, And we, of course, greatly appreciate the like. Uh, That would help us out as well. Head over to the Twitter page, at Blog on Twitter. Uh, You can also check out our personal pages, at HTBAnthony for me, at HTBJosh for Josh, and at HackZubbard2 for Zach Hubbard, who is doing our recruiting stuff and is also going to be talking to us a little bit about the transfer. So we'll be talking to him about Noah Taylor. Haven't gotten his thoughts on Corey Gaynor yet either, but we're going to be doing that coming up as well. So make sure that you tune in to that upcoming edition of the podcast and you follow him on social media for all the great recruiting and transfer portal stuff. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening and as always, go Tar Heels!